we've gone from Romans 8, we've gone back into 7. Um, last week we focused more on act, on 8, and we will continue to do that. Today we're going to look at 8, um, and start in 8, but as you'll see, there's a reason why we're going to do that, and then we're going to go back to Romans 5, and look at 5, 1 through 11, and start working our way back from Romans 5, back to, um, well, I'm going to say back to Romans 8, we've already been in 7. Um, so that's, that's our plan. So who would like to be the one to, who has not done it yet? Each one will hopefully get a chance to do this, is read all of Romans 8. And listen as, as this is read, because we're going to then go and read Romans 5 and see a lot, see some different things that relate right to Romans 8 from this. So, Romans 8. Who wants to read it? I'll do it if nobody else is going to hear. And do you have the CSB? CSB? CSB. Yeah, I got CSB. Can I read it at two times speed? <laughs> sure. We've heard it before. And you will hear it again and again and again. You will see why you want to hear it again and again. You might not believe that yet, but you will. Um, Nobody else wants to step up. All right, here we go. You ready, guys? Here we go. Oh, there's Steve-O. Just in time. We have our reader. The life-giving spirit. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring you mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obliged to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children and our children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly awaits 
with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined. He also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Jesus, Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, has been raised. He also is the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, Because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Good reading. So I noticed as you read that, did you get any kind of a sense? I noticed as you read the last portion of that, you got a little bit more... Fired up! Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm like just freaking got chills going through me right now. Did you guys hear that as he was reading? I was noticing as he got to the end, I just sort of noticed this. How do you not get filled with the Holy Spirit when you're reading that, yeah, right? That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah All right. Dead. <laughs> so now, keeping that in mind, okay, just everything you just heard Daniel preach. Preach! <laughs> the Word of God. I want you to now go back to Romans 5, and I want someone to read verses 1 through 11. And as you hear this read, I want you to think and just sort of recall what you just heard Daniel read from Romans 8. And I want you to see if you can find parallels between the two. Okay. 
So who wants to read Romans 5, 1 through 11? Make one of the new guys read. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore. Okay, there we go. Having been justified by faith, we have... Oh, I'm in the wrong translation. I used to do the NASB. CSB. CSB, sorry. I do the NSP. Okay. Therefore, it starts the same way. Excellent. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also, we have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, but because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, had been, who, had, who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us while we were, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more often then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him for our wrath, from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Amen. All right. Any echoes you hear between Romans 8 and what you just read in Romans 5, 1 through 11? Hope. Hope. Good. Okay. Where was hope in Romans 8? Anybody know where we were coming up with hope in Romans 8? 25. Good. Okay. Read that to me. Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Okay. And look up at the verse before, 24. Read 24 and 25. Now, in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. All right. Good. Good. What else do you guys see? I never noticed this before, but I find it kind of interesting, the like rhetorical mirroring of verses in Romans 8 um, in sort of, let's see, it's 30, when he goes, those he predestined, he also called, those he called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. Kind of that, like, how he builds off of it. Right. Feels similar in 3, or sorry, er, 3 and 4. Yeah. We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, Mm -hmm. that kind of building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Peace with God. Peace with God. Yeah, very good. My mindset uh, of the spirit is life and peace. 8-6. What do you guys think when when Paul uses the word peace? What is he referring to? The fact that we have peace with God. What's Paul, Paul when he uses that language, peace? Because you might hear that word peace and think a lot of different things. War and peace. Right. So you can think of war and peace. Okay. What else? What do you think Paul means when he's using that phrase peace? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. I think comfort. 
com okay, comfort. What's the Greek translation of the word peace he's using here? Well, the Hebrew is shalom. He, I don't know what the Greek is. Well, this was written in Greek, right? This was written in Greek. Um, I mean, I think about sort of reconciling. Okay. All right, good. So, reconciling. So, in fact... Being saved. Yeah, notice... In fact, that's really good. Notice how peace... He starts with peace in, in, in 5... Actually, peace is an inclusio with the end of Romans 5.11, where he talks about reconciliation. So peace and reconciliation to Paul are very close. They're very much, um, very much similar in what they mean. So if you think of peace in the terms of reconciliation, what is peace? What does Paul mean by peace, do you think? Forgiven. Forgiven, okay. Saved. Let me just tell you what he doesn't mean. He doesn't mean, oh, we have this inward like peace in me. I just have this inward peace that I just feel good about myself, okay? That's not what he's referring to. He's not referring to something in us when he speaks about peace here. According to Google, the Greek translation is completion. Mm hmm. Okay. So what's complete? <laughs> the relationship between us and God. All right. Jesus. Which is just like reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Okay, put together. Glorification. All right. Give you the completion. Anyone else? Let me think of the word peace. What if the opposite of peace is like we think war. Wrath. Or something like wrath. Yeah. So then what's peace? With God, he's abiding. Yeah. <coughs> abiding. Abiding. Okay, Jason, you are. So when I when I read that, I I it's Romans four twenty five. The last uh, he was delivered up for our trespasses hmm. and raised for our justification. So we've been freed from our trespasses and been reconciled for justification. In order to be glorified, and so that 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 peace is the peace from the war within us with sin, mm -hmm. and in the Spirit, in Christ, with the Father, we are in peace. He also, I think, declare, declares or uses as righteous mm -hmm. now in Christ that we are made righteous. Yeah, we're not looked at as. Enmity with God, you were now. Yeah, we're no longer right. Very good. We're no longer enemies with enemies, God, which yeah. means we're at war with God, like right. you were talking about. You know, we have a truce. Pieces. Yeah, yeah. There's a peace agreement. There's a truce. Mm -hmm. It's a treaty. Mm -hmm. All right. What other words? What other things do you guys see there? What parallels do you see between five, one through eleven, and eight? I see some purpose. We got like in five seven it says, "For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die." Talking about Christ, and you got eight twenty eight. He goes, "We know all good things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose." That's like pretty 
Okay. Yeah, that's good. And it's like, are you at peace with your purpose? Like, what is your purpose? Just kind of, that's a, that's a question master right there. Yeah. What other language do you see? Suffering. Suffering, very good. Okay. through suffering. Yeah. Perseverance through suffering. So that, so in five, you see that suffering. Verse three. In verse three. And in eight, what is the suffering? In 18, I consider that our yep. present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And just, so if you notice, like, Travis um, just pointed out, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. When you come down to Romans 8.28, when Paul there, this is that famous verse, you know, we all we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. All things is referring actually to the sufferings of 18, of Romans 1.18. So Paul's making the link there. When we talk about all things working good, he's talking about the, our sufferings being used by God um, in our lives for good. Hi, Greg. I just, I, uh-huh. just, I just Googled peace again. I think this is pretty important. It puts it down in later terms as opposed to reconciliation and stuff like that. Let me read this real quickly. It is a pronouncement of well-being and serious and wholeness. The word spoken by Jesus to his disciples still needs to be heard today. Peace be with you. Remember he said mm-hmm. that? Yeah, Peace right. be with you. But this is a what, few times. What do the words peace be with you mean? It means that you can be at peace with your past. Jesus Christ can help you get past your past. <laughs> get past your past. <laughs> yeah. Because there is no longer any yeah. what? Condemnation. condemnation. So that's interesting. And so getting past your past, so if you're not no longer in your past, where are you? Then? Yeah. You've got your mind right. set on the things of the spirit. Yeah. Right. So you're you're, you're <laughs> in yeah. the you're present. You're in the spirit because you're not about the old law. But in the spirit, so what's being in the spirit? Exactly. So this all comes to that. What is walking with God, literally? Right? I've been thinking about that and thinking that exact question. What is the peace? Right? What is, what is it literally to be walking with God? I've been thinking about that same thing. Like, mm-hmm. like, what does it mean to truly have your mindset on the things of the Spirit? And it's, it's presence. It's, you are free from all of the, everything, if you're presently walking with God. Yeah, I did ask ChatGPT that, but I, I ended up coming. Uh, <laughs> there was some of course, great, of course you did. No, there was some great, there was some great content in there. But the the two verses that that I got to that I think were ultimately the most helpful and re- really understanding what that means is uh, Romans twelve two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that renewing your mind is about having your mindset uh, on the things of the spirit. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? So. Uh, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is love, lo- lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I think that's a lot about the mindset of the Spirit. Well, I mean, he says in 8 precisely what the mindset of the Spirit is, and his life 
and peace. And so I'm thinking that, and that takes me all the way back to Genesis and the tree and the words that God said to Adam. And we're getting a lot of Adam and Christ. We will be getting Adam. We're, we're already, we already are in what we were reading, right? One man caused death and one man caused, brought life. And that's, that's the crux, right? So, if you eat of the tree, that, on that, that day surely you will die. Right? So what exactly did that mean? They didn't just like keel over, right? So we all know they, 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 they brought sin into the world and, and death. But what was it that they ate from? The tree of knowledge. What is that knowledge speaking of mindset? Tree of life. Right? Yeah. Versus the tree of life, which begets peace. Because you're no longer thinking about death, <clears throat> which brings about fear and anxiety. Because suddenly, you never, they didn't think about dying. That wasn't even a reality. So suddenly, this is that's what it, I am just sharing what my thought process has been in the last few days here. And on that, it's suddenly you go, oh, wait. So that mindset, we're talking about just the shift of our own conscious reality. Right? Into understanding that with Christ we are, have life. And that begets peace. We no longer have the fear of death because Christ has overcome that death. We have to embody that ourselves because the Spirit's already in there. But if we aren't there, kind of doesn't work. So you're asking a really good question, which is part of what we're going to talk about even more tonight is exactly that question, because Paul's saying that we, uh, in the Spirit, are ones who now put our minds on the Spirit. Mm -hmm. This is a big part of what does it mean to be as a Christian, is we are ones who set our minds on things of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That's a fantastic question. Mm -hmm. Part of exactly what we're doing right now, which is setting our minds on the Spirit, on the things of the Spirit. So, keep that in mind. Yeah, I kind of feel that all these things that he's listing, what we should put our mind on, are a byproduct of his spirit. Exactly. For me, mm-hmm. someone who's simple-minded or singular-minded, I don't choose to think about a lot of things at once. And there's people that have a very active imagination, a very active mind. They have an you know, IQ that they can't stop. They can't go to sleep at night. So they think about it. So he's giving you a list of all the things to think about. But for me, it's very simple. Think about one thing. Think about being with God. Think about talking to God. Think about being in the Spirit. Just think about being in constant communication with Him, and all those things follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so others, yes. But Eric, yeah. I read the beginning of 5 and 8 as a story. And kind as of what? A, Say it again. As a story. Historic? As, 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 as a story. story. A story, sorry. Yeah. And, you read it as a story. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. From, from this standpoint, when you start about looking at the word justified. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What's the opposite of justified? Condemned. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, very so good. Very good. If, if we're justified, how it requires something from us. And that requires us accepting the forgiveness of our sins. Mm-hmm. We have to accept that our sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. So the only way that can happen is through faith. And so what has to happen to have faith? You have to give up 
your throne. <laughs> to have the faith that I can be relieved from my sin nature through justification only by my faith. Okay? So, then it goes on. After doing that, we can have peace. Because we have be, we become in relationship with God. And so, how does that happen? It gives us access to a relationship. And that relationship can only happen by God's grace given to us and the forgiveness of our sins. So, that requires a certain amount of discipline. And the discipline is dying to self in order to accept the forgiveness that we're given that brings us the peace. And so, having gotten to that point, life's going to continue to throw challenges at us. And so, when it says we rejoice in these challenges, it's God is perfecting us. By, by like a parent does in correcting a kid. And so we go through life's challenges, but because we've been justified and we have the relationship, the, the, the challenges just bring us closer to Him because through those challenges we realize that we really need a relationship with Him and we can go to Him. And the only reason we can go through those challenges effectively is by having a relationship with them. So, um, what is what is the hope? Hope is is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit with us. Without hope, we can't do anything. And one of the things I I memorized mm-hmm. was, if predisposed to pray. Ask for strength and guidance to deal with life's vicissitudes and not just deliverance from them. Because as we go through life and we meet the challenges and we're putting God first and walking in relationship with Him, the relationship deepens and, and He's with us and it becomes a mature relationship. So that's kind of a story that kind of unfolded to me. No, that's not surprising to me because when I read this, I thought the, the, the aspect of the, the development of character, I thought if I was totally thinking of you the whole time. Yeah. All right, what about anybody else? Does anybody else see any parallels between, actually Eric just mentioned one which is sort of obvious, Holy Spirit. Romans 8 is all about the Spirit. Um, you see Paul here mentioning the Spirit. He's not going to mention the Spirit much again until we get to 8. But you see sort of that um, in starting that process here. I think the elephant in the room is the fact that it takes personal discipline to die to self and to enter into this relationship. Because our sin nature and the things Satan throws at us is so juicy and so tempting that it's not until we mature and have the self-discipline to identify that this is not a path to deviate from, that this is the true path, and that I can be safe, and I can have relationship, and I can I can face the challenges of life because of that discipline. And your character. Yeah. Let's develop out of that. See, and, and that's what develops it. None of you guys are mentioning what, though. God loves us so much that nothing can separate him from us. 
That's how much he loves us. What you're saying is like in verse uh, 5 of 5 that we just read. Exactly what you're saying, Daniel. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out. In yeah, hearts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like also in the last line the last of eight. Line of yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. What I was going to say. Yeah. In, so very uh, good. I mean, there's a parallel. Yeah. It's just I mean, yeah. completely. But the, it, my humanity is like looking at this, and it's like my eyes are going every Christmas. The, the, the gentleman who would play, you might probably know him, uh, John or whatever. John, yeah, sure. he plays. But in that song, the words are <laughs> going low. What, what are the words at Christmas time? It, the life comes from going down, and so when we humble ourselves, when we are, you know, we are reduced. Identity does matter. Does it? We're co-heirs with Christ. Yes. Yeah, the whole idea that is our identity. That's our identity. But not our ego. Right. And yeah. not our past self. But the yeah. love that you're talking about is in that identity, and the very idea that the word glorification that's going to be put on us. Right. I mean, that God loves us that much. That is beyond my grasp, Daniel. I just, I have to even, like, spin out on that. Well, that, that, that is the, the whole concept of, of, that Eric was talking about in terms of that forgiveness and the presence, right? The hardest, uh, I had a lesson with God one day, and regarding forgiveness and being present and being able to, to leave that past. And the hardest thing, it's easy for me to forgive other people. It's it's easy to forgive um, yeah, other people's trespasses or any future trespasses or put myself in that mindset with others, but it's really difficult for me to forgive myself. And that's the humility. That's when you put down the crown, right? And And... When we can, I think that's one of those acknowledgements, right? That's when we know we're in the, the spirit. We really can forgive ourselves and be present with God right here, right now. But you're, you're, have you guys ever seen the, or read the Pilgrim's Progress? Yeah. Yes. So there's that point. He's, he's well into his belief. He's well into his journey and his travels. But the, the more he learns, the more he knows, the more that relationship develops, the bigger that, that weight becomes of sin. And so, when you, that a few weeks ago, when you said that thing that I had mentioned the other week, that you said in, in class about this just being not true. The idea that we have to bear sin. Not being true. It was like, that. that's when that thing fell off my back. Literally. But, that has to that has to be released for the piece that you're talking about, that acknowledgement, that simplicity, and it was like, I mean, that's the that's the game changer, that's that leap. In 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 the story is wonderful. That's when things got really challenging. That's when he got to put on the armor. That's when he was faced with all sorts of challenges beyond the sin. Right, but then there was no question of, as to where he stood and what what he was going to finish like. So, others who haven't said anything, anything you see in 8 and 5 or in 5, it's... I've got, I got a question, it's not really your words, but do we know if Adam was forgiven? Do we know what? Adam, was he forgiven? Do we know whether Adam was forgiven? Yeah, for eating the drink. It's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Um... 
I think so. I'd like to please. God, he's the guy I've been introduced to. Yeah, I I don't have an answer for that off right off hand as far as although what we do see is we see that God does not I mean he pushes Adam and Eve out of the garden, right? But if you notice, he doesn't leave them entirely. He still stays in a relationship with them. Um, and obviously this is pre, pre-Christ, <laughs> very pre-Christ. Um, but he stays in that relationship with them. And he allows their offspring to become us. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you still see that relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, how about others? Anybody who hasn't? <clears throat> I'll, say, I'll uh-huh. um, <clears throat> I don't know if you got this, um, uh, the, the church's advent. Uh, box and there's this like I don't know this like thing this book in there about like animals and like how like everything kind of like waits for for uh, for Christ like for the advent for the season and so I like that's been filling my mind as I've been kind of going through that book and I see waiting in here like in in, in both five and eight uh, in in eighteen eight, eighteen through twenty five kind of like um, for the creation eagerly waits, uh, 819, for the creation mm-hmm. eagerly waits with anticipation for God's Son to be revealed. Like, that's this time right now. That's, that's Advent. And then I see, like, in 5, that same kind of, like, um, uh, kind of, kind of pre, pre 5, 6, mm-hmm. for while we are still helpless. Like, all up through then, this, he's, he's speaking, like, my understanding is, he's speaking to the Jewish audience at this time, right? Like, this Jew, these Jews have been, like, waiting and waiting and waiting. And, like, while they were still helpless, like, Christ died for them. So, like, that that stands out to me, especially this season, like, that kind of, like, this, this waiting. And, and now we wait, right? Now we wait for whether it's whether it's this season of Advent or, or Christ to come again. But, like, God, I, I, that's really cool to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we weren't just helpless. We were ungodly. Every single one of us. <laughs> Pretty much levels of playing field. Um, all right, anybody else as far as so? Here's a sort of a question to think, and it's been interesting listening to some of you do this already. But if you take a look at five, so one of the things just to note here: five, one through eleven. So again, for those of you who have been here, you know this word. For those of you who haven't, we're going to give you, tell you very quickly. Inclusio is like one of the words that I have for years in our men's group said. There's one of the things, one word that you sort of need to know from a, knowing how to read scripture, it's inclusio. Um, because inclusio is one of the major ways the scripture is written in a way for you to understand what it means. And inclusio... Anybody remember what that means? How do you define inclusio? What's the sort of metaphor I use? Bookends. Bookends. Okay. So it's like you have bookends. Like over there you have these two bookends. And inclusio is when something is said in scripture. And then that author will then later say basically the same thing or something very similar. And so when he does that, he is saying, I'm putting everything in between these two things where I say this, I'm going to be talking about everything's related to those two things. Everything's encompassed within that. So an inclusio is a very common way. In fact, here you see a little bit of an inclusio between peace and reconciliation. 
They both mean very similar things that Paul starts with peace, he ends with reconciliation. But what we have in 5, 1 through 11, is we actually have an inclusio with Romans 8. And so that's the reason why I'm saying, look at the parallels in language, because Paul really is starting a section at 5, 1 through 11. And he's going to end that section at the very end of Romans 8. And so these two set sit as bookends to each other, which is the reason why we're going back to 511, and now we're going to start looking at everything in that bookend, okay, that all relates to him saying what he said in 51 through 11 and what he says in Romans 8. Okay, they, it all fits in between it. Um, does that make sense? So that's the reason why I was having you do that with 51 through 11. But I want you to look, so I want you to just think for a moment, as we have all read 5, 1 through 11, to what degree can you read this right now and go, this is not just something I know in my head, but and you don't just believe what we read in 5, 1 through 11, but this is so real to you, like it you live it out. You can actually experience this. You can be, you can put yourself as an I in here, so instead of just saying, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, you can say, therefore, since I have been justified with faith, by faith, I have peace with God. Did you listen to how Eric did that? He actually took the first section of five, and he made it his own. It's like it became, just listening to Eric, you do that? It's like it became real to him. He said, this is this is me living this out. And you sort of explained it and walked through it, Eric, with you, with that. How many of you, when you read this, to what degree do you really go, yes, this is real, or it's not. I'm just, I struggle with this. Um and you, I don't know how to even have you answer that question, but I just wanted to think about that. Because Paul is really, in 5, 1 through 11, it's like he's saying, this is real to him. And he wants us to be real to us. What he's saying here. You had me do that with uh, 15, 1 through uh-huh. 6. Uh-huh. With Romans 15, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to do that, you guys. Yeah. Like, just take... So you personalize the scripture yourself. Yeah. You know, is to actually say, yes, this is, this hope will not disappoint me because God's love has been poured out in my heart through the Holy Spirit who was given to me. So I can just say that, but it's really letting the Spirit for you to actually experience that. This is, in a sense, I want to say, when Paul says, like you were talking about, the mind of the Spirit, this is what Paul's talking about here. Paul is actually doing what he's going to write about in Romans 8. He is setting his mind on things of the Spirit. And you see the result of that. He has hope through that. He can get through suffering through that. I mean, all this, he makes it his own. And that is so key to our faith that we don't just read this, but we like say, this is not just something I believe, but it's real in my heart. I really experience this. Um, 
That's what Paul's getting at in Romans 8. That's the role of the Spirit, is to take this and make it real to us. Um, well, yeah. On that, there's... So... I, I, part of my examination of Scripture, right? To me, it's it's real. However, I, I'm I'm always sort of looking at it, saying, how could somebody twist that, right? How could how could somebody say, oh, that's just that's just see now now you're just it's just a mindset thing. It's just a, you just try to talk yourself into it, and there it is, right? And what's so fabulous is the way Paul explains the Spirit and the way. It works, and the fact that we literally don't have the capability of knowing even what to pray for. We don't know the right things to pray for, so the Spirit intercedes for us, and Christ intercedes for us in that regard, while we're here in this state. And and that's so fantastic. And that, to me, was very real, right? It's like, what what an amazing concept. Because the, those things of the Spirit are just beyond us to a certain degree. Well, I mean, think how boring this would be if I wrote it. I would just say, just love God. Just love God. <laughs> and there would be no color. There would be no decorum. There would be no any examples. It would be just one thing, you know. But he is able to elucidate this this thing into a multitude of fabrics, you know, to where you see the richness of God's love. Yeah. And it's exactly. just, you know. Yeah, there you go. So, thinking again then, this, I mean, what Paul's getting at here is something I, I don't think we talk enough about in the Christian life, is really what the role of the Spirit is. We mostly think when we hear the Spirit, we think a lot, I guess I do, I think a lot of times gifts of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, or the miracles of the Spirit, or all these things that, ooh, the Spirit, okay, does these things. Paul's practically saying here, You've got to take what Jesus has done and you, it's just believing what he's done in the past is not enough. The Spirit wants to take that and change your life mm-hmm. and make it real in your life. Remember how last week, for those of you who were here, what did I, what did I, and I didn't explain it a lot, look at it more. What did I give you that were here? You were coin. Here. I gave you a coin. Does anybody remember what that coin, so what was that coin? As an eagle eye. There's a right. What were the what 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 was the coin? Christ and and the spirit. Yeah. And what were the different sides of the coin? So one side of the actual coin that they gave you was a person. A a person which represents Christ. Christ. And the other side was a bird bird which represents the spirit. And what Paul's saying in Romans. I've got it in my pocket. Who has it in their pocket? Yeah, anybody have it? (laughs) Right now. Bring it with you. Um, the point here is what Paul's doing is he's saying two things need to happen in our faith. One is we need to be grounded and know who, what Christ has done in the past. He did this for us. But then the point of the Spirit, for the Spirit, is to take what he's done for us and make it real to us today, to where we live that out. Okay. That's you need both sides of the coin. Um, one of the things that I would just say personally sort of grieves me or gets me upset, or I just see so much of it, this whole movement of deconstruction, 
Okay, I'm going to give you an opinion on this. <laughs> it's just, there's so much of this buzz about people deconstructing their faith and just sort of tearing apart their faith. And there's a lot of that going on right now. It's, it's almost like a thing in Christian circles is for people to say, I'm deconstructing my faith. And a lot of times what that means is I just don't believe in Jesus anymore. I'm leaving my Christian faith. And when I read that, I just grieve because what I hear is I hear them talk. So many that I hear talk is they grew up in church telling, being told what to believe. But that belief was never made a reality in life. So they were told, believe that Jesus died for your sins. But they never, the Spirit never worked in them. This is me making a judgment, but this is what, what my get is you don't see them doing what Eric did, where he makes it real to them, where the Spirit is living in them, and he's taking Jesus and making it real. And Paul says you need both. Yeah. After the last meeting, uh-huh. uh, talking to Charlie, he said, I grew up in the Catholic Church. I never heard of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Not like you guys are talking about it. You can grow up in a lot of evangelical Christian mm-hmm. churches like ours and not really hear much about the Spirit, too. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's why Paul's saying this is so central. Yeah, um, with Travis, you were... I was just tracking off what you were saying earlier about sort of continuing to carry that weight. For me, one of the things I struggle with is one thing to understand the gospel and this reconciliation intellectually, but I think what you're getting at, which I think is so important, is actually feeling the weight of grace, like letting it permeate in a way that I just keep coming back to verse 15 in Romans 8. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And that thought of like crying out, like to me that's a that's a falling to your knees of Kind of like you were saying, it's hard to for, sometimes forgive yourself. And I think there's times where I can understand forgiveness of sins, but I don't necessarily like fully feel the weight that I've been forgiven. I kind of intellectualize it. I'm like, okay, I've been forgiven. But to actually be like, to, to let grace, to, to feel it in yourself that, oh my gosh, this grace has actually been shown to me. I don't have to carry this weight anymore. That's when you fall to your knees and go, Abba, you are so good. Mm-hmm. And so it's taking that, like you said, it's taking the one side of the coin, we can wrestle with this intellectually. It's so helpful to understand it. But I think there's, if I'm tracking right, mm-hmm. that transcendence is taking the understanding to actually embodying it spiritually. Mm-hmm. And that's where it just gets you to a, a whole other level of depth in his presence. I would say that is, what you just said, that is the central role of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's to give us gifts. Yes, it's to, you know, do those types of things. Absolutely. Fruit of the Spirit, absolutely. But the core is, it's got to change our heart to where these things, Jesus becomes real to mm-hmm. us. And that is what the Spirit does. Now, I want to have you guys, so just go back and review And, and out of that yes. comes an understanding of what it really means to build God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, how to, how to bring heaven to earth. Yeah. Which is about the good things and virtue and, you know, helping people and justice. Mm-hmm. Right. And, all those things. So, yeah. Spirit, yeah, uh, Travis, where was that scripture you said the spirit you had received? Uh, uh, 15, 15, 15, yeah. 15, which is a key, yeah. actually that is one of the key passages right there he just did. 
where this is actually showing that taking place. Okay. This is the definition of that. This, yes. And uh-huh. Can I go with that? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so when you said that, I was like, hmm. Yeah. Uh, it relates, so just think of the concept of receiving, and it goes kind of back to what Jason was saying, too. We can't forgive ourselves, mm-hmm. so, so we're not going to let God forgive us. What are we not letting? We're not receiving mm-hmm. His forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it says it right at the, in, in 5, which we just read the last verse of 11. <clears throat> and not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. So that, in that case, is the forget, forgiveness of sins. You've received the forgiveness of sins, which gets back to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's right. Have you received the forgiveness? Like, I'll just speak for myself. I have a couple of because mm-hmm. I won't forgive myself. So if I don't forgive myself, I'm not permitting him to forgive me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. And what you said We're a few minutes ago, I was like, wait, because it never occurred to me. What's happening? With, why is that? Pride. Mm-hmm. Why am I not forgiving myself? You know? Yeah, we, we, Hanging on. I'm angry. We think <clears throat> we, we, that that's that whole, that whole holding sin is, is exactly that. It's just a pride game. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Or relate that to pride. That's good. And, yeah. Well, he did it. And then there, I was digging around for the other, the only other place in the whole Bible, I'm looking at the concordance for the last few minutes, uh, for receive, is Acts 10.43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him, step one, <laughs> shall receive remission of sins. So you believe in him, you now you receive, that means it's being given to you. You're given permission of sins, but you have to take the gift. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a, it's, a, it's a two-way verb. So think of the people, <laughs> think of all the Christians who believe that they haven't received. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's, that's why last week I handed out this, okay, and said, here, it's not just, you have to take it, you have to receive it. You have to take it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Tom. That's something, yours. Something I um, Tom Tom. <laughs> the two Toms. Something that I think all of us it's yours. are talking about, but it's always something that the Bible implies, but I haven't seen a verse for it. Uh-huh. And well, you might say you might hear words intellectualize it. He calls us friend, reconciliation, no condemnation. Perfect love, guys. All fear. You know, you, all those, and I'm sure that there is a verse that I'm sure missing. But it's all taking that intellectual capital that we've developed through experience and reading our word, the knowledge of it, and using the tr- how the Holy Spirit translates that into what is called. Because you hear it all the time, and that sometimes I'm always like relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so, we talk about relationship with God a lot. Oh, you just have to have a relationship with God in this relationship. In this rela- So, a part of it is, um, a lot of it's implied through the scripture. He calls us friend. He, you know, but, I think, because I've never personalized the scriptures the way you suggested, it's actually something I own. I own this relationship with God. He's given it to me. Mm-hmm. To Thomas, I have to receive it. Right. 
and then the Holy Spirit, because that's what we're talking about now, enables that. Is the enabler of understanding love and forgiveness and all the other nuances of character building and all the things that are said here. Overcoming sin and stuff. So I don't know if that makes sense, but you hear in this relationship that we're supposed to have and I think, and I wonder if sometimes it's more intellectual relationship than right. a this person. And that's what I'm saying. You need both. I mean, that's, right. that's so. Different. So if you guys look, so just and we talked about this last week a little bit for some, for some of the some of you that were not here. So go back if you look at Romans eight, and where I before I gave you the coin, I pointed out that Paul's really showing this what Tom just talked about, showing this transition that we have to have both sides of the coin. So if you notice on verse 3, Paul says, For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. And what did God do? He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. There is what God, That's this is sort of like the head. <laughs> okay, the coin. This is what God... You look ahead. This is what God did through Christ in the past. It is a historical event that actually really happened. God, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That is the event. That is what Christ has done historically for us. But notice that Paul says, you've got to now do something else with that. And Tom talks about it in the sense of receive. Notice what happens. It doesn't just say, hey, God died, condemned, and Jesus, Jesus died for us, sent his son, the likeness of sinful flesh is a sin offering, period. It doesn't say period. It has a comma. <laughs> because then it says, Jesus did this, God did this, in order that. So there's a words. There's a reason why God did this. It wasn't so just we forgive our sins and we go to heaven. He says, in order that, the requirements of the law would be fulfilled in us, and he puts in the negative, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the whole purpose of why Jesus died on the cross was so we can now walk in the Spirit and no longer walk in the flesh. When we're condemning ourselves still, we're... Walking in the flesh. We're walking in the flesh. We're not walking in the spirit. So notice how he makes that transition. I've got to take what Jesus has done, and I've got to then appropriate it. The spirit has to speak to me, inside of me, and say, this is real. And so notice what happens. In in other words, so according to the flesh. Then he says, for those who live according to the flesh, is going to what Scott said, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh, which is not us. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. So we are a people now who don't set our minds on the flesh. We set our minds now on the Spirit. New creatures. New creatures. New, new creations. And when we do that, it's a, so someone says, well, how do we do that? Well, we're doing it right here by being in this. But Paul keeps going back, and he does this in Romans. He keeps saying, this is what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus has done. 
And then Paul breaks in to what we have in Romans 5, 1 through 11. He then starts saying, this is what it means for me. We are now free. We are now at peace with God. We are now this. And so you see Paul doing this constantly, where he's living out what he's saying in Romans 8. But he's taking what Jesus has done, and he's saying, now this is how it's changed my life. This is how it's revealed to me. And the Spirit is what does that in us. That's what changes us. Yeah, Eric. I'm just me. <laughs> and so, I have to make things simple for me. Mm-hmm. So, what I realize is, is that I live in the world, but my job is not to be of the world. Yes. And so, how do I practically stay out of the world and walk the walk? And so, that's why I memorize all these sayings, because they're the crutch that that helps me see the path. Uh, one of the simple things they teach at the Naval Academy is, I will not lie, steal, or cheat, nor tolerate those who do. So, <clears throat> until I started to examine myself to see... I, I need a set of ethical standards that's going to keep me on the path. And so I memorize those. Mm-hmm. And so what translates then is, is that knowing that I live with me and I'm constant, it's an ongoing life challenge all the time. This is a battle that goes on every day of our life. So how do I get through that? So by using those ethics, as a standard for my own conduct, then what happens is is that I enter a sanctuary. And the sanctuary is my sacred relationship with God that can be undermined and destroyed if I don't abide by what I know is right. Could you say that it's the Spirit that's enabling you to have those ethics? See, it's, or to to walk those ethics out as we walk in the Spirit. The Spirit gives me the discipline to yeah. continue to want to do that. Yeah. Because that's the only way I can have peace. Because if if I let my guard down and I sin again, my guilt returns. Right. And I have to go through sanctification all over again and ask for forgiveness of my sins and go through that whole... Tr- and I don't want to do that. I want to. I want to live in and abide, and so the only way I can do that is using ethics of standards of what I will not accept in my own behavior and what I won't accept of other people's behavior. Okay. So I, what I, I struggle with is is when I when I when I hear that is is um, you know is is that the path? Ultimately, the goal is we we want to live in a way where we where we honor God. Um, is it by embracing grace and being in God's presence, as he was talking about, that gives us the ability to avoid sin and temptation in our lives? Or is it like the structure of these ethical standards? You know, it's, it's, it's tough. Like, 
when I hear that, like I, it resonates because I grew up in a military home, <laughs> you know, and my dad went to the Air Force Academy, and I heard things like that, you know, as a kid. But then, like uh, this this system of grace is like it's very like heart driven. It's like oh, Abba, Father, yeah. you know, like I don't, gosh, I don't have, I don't want to disappoint my father. There's nothing else like it. Yeah. Anywhere. So, so I want to answer this. I mean, you're bringing this up again. So I'm going to be really just like blunt about what you're talking about. Because I think for you, this is what helps you stay in line. That's right. And in fact, I would say it does even more than that because as I heard you again talk about Romans 5, 1 through 11, you personalized that and that was like, I could see the spirit has made that real to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Paul is telling us here how to do this. That's what I guess I want to get yeah. at. Is he is saying the way in which you live by the Spirit and put your mind on the Spirit is, man, that is a tail. I mean, that's a, the bird. The way you do that mm-hmm. is through the head. The head is Christ. The reason why we're in Romans is because it's all about constantly reflecting on what Christ has done for us. So the answer in the Christian life is the way you live by the Spirit is by setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. And what that is, Paul says, as we just did, is that is everything about what Christ has done for us. That's what's so awesome about Romans. Romans is everything about what Christ has done. And so Paul, that's what all the scripture is for, is when we set our minds on the things that God has done for us, the Spirit works in us to live by that Spirit. So the answer is, the focus is set, I mean, set your minds on Christ. Set your mind on Him. Focus on who He is. Focus on what He has done and the Spirit will then work work in us to make that real for us now. So I said before, it's what Christ has done. It's The Spirit is taking that and making that real in our lives now. Okay. So you'll see in Romans 4, we don't look at this, I'm going to just do this really quickly. Paul is doing exactly what he says he's doing in Romans 8. So if you look at Romans 4, I want you to just listen to what Paul does. I'm not going to read all of Romans 4. But look at Romans 4, well, just talk about um, 16, okay, or starting at 13. I'm not going to read it all. Paul starts reflecting on this promise that ultimately is going to be realized in Christ by going back to Abraham. So we're going to look at that at some point. Paul does that by going back to Adam, like Jason was doing, but always with a focus on Christ. And so if you notice what Paul does is he explains all the stuff about who Abraham was and the promise and the faith that came through Abraham. But now listen to what Paul does. He takes the scripture about Abraham, all right, and it's almost, in a little bit, it's almost like what Eric does when he focuses on these sayings. But here what Paul is doing is he's focusing on Christ. So what happens is Paul says, listen to how Paul does this. He says in verse 22, Therefore it was credited to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Now it was credited to him, but now listen to this, this is really key. It was credited to him 
And it was not written for Abraham alone. Okay, do you see that? So Paul's saying in verse 23, this stuff that was written long ago was not just written for Abraham alone, but it was written for who? Us. Us. That's what the whole, all the scripture is. It's something that's not just written for them, it's written for us. And then Paul says, but also for us. And then listen to what Paul does. He says, it was, and he then goes right into Jesus. It was credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So notice how Paul takes what Christ has done, the head, and he turns it into the tail saying, this is something for us. So it's no longer the I was condemned and Christ died on the cross and there's no longer condemnation. Is now I am no longer condemned. It becomes something personal to each one of us. And so that's what the purpose of this focus on Christ is, is that this is the way we set our minds for the things of the Spirit. And then the God do that. I'm watching. I'm listening to all you guys talk. And I'm watching the exact same that happened is you're taking and personalizing what Christ has done for you, and you're making it real in your life. You're hearing the Spirit say, this is real in me. And I say you need to, I guess my point is, you need to have both. Paul's saying both have to happen for a life of faith. But what we tend to do is we tend to emphasize one or the other. (laughs) And we don't have a coin. So people say, well, I don't feel the Spirit. I'm not experiencing the Spirit. I'm not feeling like God really loves me. I feel condemned in my life. Paul says, go back and focus and set your minds on what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Then the Spirit will come alive in you and you go, that's me. Jesus died for Greg. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's constantly, you have this coin, you say, well, I don't experience that in my life. Go back and focus and lead on what Christ has done for you. And then the Spirit works in that and says, guess what? That's for Greg. That's for Jason. That's for Tom. He died for you, Scott. <laughs> and we end up personalizing this. this. This area that we're talking about right now, this has been one of the most neglected things within the church. And... I'm going to take you back to a saying. I love it. People don't even know John Calvin said this. So of all people, you would think John Calvin, who was sola scriptura, everything's about the word of God. And, I mean, the whole Reformation came out of a lot of stuff that John Calvin did. All right. But I want to read something that John Calvin said, dealing exactly with this, that gets to the heart of what we're talking about with Paul. So this is what John Calvin says. He said, he says, For as God alone, now again, most people think John Calvin, they think sola scriptura. The Bible is, I mean, it's it. Everything is about the authority of the Bible. And guess what? They're right. But even John Calvin said you need more than just this. You need this, absolutely. But listen to what he says. He says, for as God alone is a fit witness of himself in his word so also the word will not find acceptance in the men's hearts 
before it is sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. The same Spirit, therefore, that is spoken through the mouths of the prophets that produce this word, then penetrates our hearts to persuade us so that they faithfully proclaim what has been divinely commanded. What John Calvin's saying is, it's not just believing this, which we do and this is our authority, but it's then letting the Spirit witness this is really true for Greg, for Travis, for David, for Robert. I mean, it's got to hit each of us. Both have to happen. And we can forget about that because we go around and tell people, just believe, just believe this, just believe this. And it's like, you have all these people go, well, I've been told to believe it. I believe it. Yeah, Jesus died for my sins. But the Spirit has never worked in them to actually change their heart. To really make you go, this is Christ living in me. And that's what you get out with Paul. I mean, I think Tom brought it up again. And you, Travis, that whole verse right there about the Spirit becomes a witness that speaks to us and an inward witness of where we all of a sudden say, Abba, Father. It's not just the Father of Jesus anymore. It's He is our Father. That's the witness of the Spirit in us. So, this is the key that Paul's doing. This is why I'm so focused on Romans 8 with can, the things we're looking at. Can I read at. another um, yeah. uh, Calvin yeah, so. quote uh, that I yes. came across in, in, <laughs> in my reading on this? Yeah. Wherever the real fear of God is vigorous, it takes away from the flesh its sovereignty, though it does not abolish all of its corruptions. So I think this, like this, no, this notion of like the flesh, the flesh's sovereignty is sort of, you know, being destroyed. But but we all still have the potential to be corrupted by our flesh, which is why it's so important for us to have our mindset on the things of the spirit. Right. Um, but that that struggle is is still real. It's still there. It doesn't abolish all the corruptions, but it's not sovereign. The flesh is not sovereign. So anyway, does that make sense? What what about this? These this, these two sides. We need both. We can't just ourselves or tell others. Just believe it because I told you to. They've got to experience the spirit in them, witnessing to them that these scriptures that God has inspired are for me. And if you don't hear that in them or yourself, this is where. Well, I, I mean, I told Dan, I told Daniel one time. He was talking about, go back and read these and start putting I in there. You know, start reading these because this is for you. Start hearing that being spoken to you. It's no longer that I am condemned in Christ. Um, thoughts, so, yeah. Bringing it back to the practical application, one of the things I struggle with is I do a lot of judging of others. Mm-hmm. And what does judging do? <laughs> judging sets me up to where can I forgive these people? <laughs> when I make a judgment, I'm separating myself from them because of my experience and my past and my opinion. But what I've learned is, is that If I give up my right to be right, I can be in relationship with somebody who I couldn't be in relationship if I stood on my judgment. Mm -hmm. 
And so, if Christ can forgive me, yes. why can't I get rid of this Achilles heel where I find myself judging and pushing people away and making those judgments when I can have a richer life through forgiveness and connection? And I think, Eric, it's like when you're talking there, which is what we all struggle with, is just that whole idea of like judging others. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to keep reading things like Romans 2 over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to keep reading this part right here in Romans no 5. Well, yeah, because and it says right here in Romans 5, uh, we were helpless. Christ died for the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? I'm the ungodly. You're the we ungodly. The person I don't want to forgive is the ungodly. Mm-hmm. And Romans 2, which I'm always, we will get to Romans 2, but the funny thing about Romans 1 is there's all the stuff in Romans 1. We all are very familiar with that. And then guess what? We forget to read Romans 2. And Paul never put a separation. He goes right from Romans 1. And he ends, and he goes right into, therefore, remember we've been hearing it therefore a lot, and he says, therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Without excuse. (laughs) Yeah. But Better to know now. Yeah. But we (laughs) But I think that's... I'm 81. Going back to to what Scott says, this is what in Romans 8, set your minds on the things of Christ. Set your minds on the things of the Spirit. This is setting our minds on the Spirit when we do what Daniel just did, when we do what you just did, Eric, is we just have to keep at it. Keep setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. And the Spirit then comes in and changes us. Um, with that. And the bottom line is, one of the hardest things in life is to forgive. Oh. To yeah. give up your right to be right and stand on what you think is the right thing. If you ever have problems with forgiving, go read Matthew 18. The unforgiving <laughs> servant. That has mm. changed my life. Mm. Because you read that, you go, God has forgiven me humongous amount. <laughs> And then I don't want to forgive you for this little thing you did. And you listen to how serious Jesus is reading that parable. And you go, ooh. <laughs> I, better, I better forgive my brother for doing what you did. And if you don't, then you're a hypocrite. Exactly. And Jesus didn't like them. Really. He did not like them. <laughs> he wrote a whole chapter on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Other comments? Um, does this make sense about the two sides of the coin? I'm just wondering. Is I'm using it as a metaphor, which is a way of thinking through that. Um, you need both. Um, it does make sense, and and I think you know it's a very practical thing. And if you if you take this coin with you and you think about this on an ongoing basis, I think um, it does it does change your mindset. Use that as a who doesn't have the? Who has not? I don't know if I have enough left. You don't have one, right? Are these simple no, quarters, or are they? Did you get one? Tokens to some great wealth fund. Yeah, they're, they are. They're, they're I might one, one day. Those are in fact Bitcoin. Who wants a Bitcoin? There you go. Believe it or not, they still give these at the bank. 
I went to the bank and I was trying to I was trying to get half dollars. What is it? Yeah, a dollar. Yeah. Why is it so small? It's a silver dollar. So oh, it's silver and we're somebody we're thought we're that you know, silver dollar a dollar and a yeah. coin yeah. would be it's a damage coin. They last in the only Bible study I've ever been in where you get some more money. money. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Greg, this is a rich illustration and it makes us accountable. Don't lose that coin. <laughs> no, mine mine is right here in my hip, but uh yeah, salvation is in Christ. And the accountability of inviting the Holy Spirit to be that comforter. He said, that on the Mount of Olives, I'm giving you the comforter. You know, just blow past all of that and want to be a Christian and follow Christ. But if there's an accountability, if the Holy Spirit is really working through me and my mind and my own, everything, there's a new accountability. Yeah. And, um... There's some medical people that I've kind of been dealing with, and uh, one man who's, uh, you know, he's an older man, he's 50 years as a, as a physician, I'm not a part of that world at all, but if somebody knows life and death and everything about being a physician, you know, all that they've experienced, uh, there's a lot there, they call it a practice, and for us as believers, uh, to come into a richness, a new knowing of with the Holy Spirit to get to a place of new accountability and, and maturing. There's there's words that fit in there that are not provided here, but it just comes with life experience and seeking um, Yahweh, seeking Abba. And uh, and to do it willingly. Yes. That's the key. Yeah. Not there's because a whole you're lifetime. beat down and broken down. Right. But there's a whole lifetime of interaction there that only comes by seeking and experiencing that life. And thank you yeah. for pro- providing it in this, you know, in this illustration. Yeah. It's a very creative illustration. And I would, one of the things I would really, I have to remind myself, is when we when we are going up to talk telling someone else about Christ or we're talking to another Christian and they're seeing and feeling themselves condemned stuff, us just saying, Don't do that or Jesus did this or Jesus did that, great. But we gotta get them to go back and read for themselves what Jesus has done. So get them to get back in here, get them to put the eye in here. Us just yes. telling people what to believe or why don't you believe this just doesn't work. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's why even John Calvin said it's got to be not just given the word, but they've got to have the spirit work inside them. Mm. And that has to happen for each individual person. We can't make that happen. So we don't change people. The spirit does. You said you came into church one day and you met a man from another country, Asia or somewhere, and he wanted to know, understand this place, this church. And he turned to you. Maybe he didn't even know that you were on staff. And he said... Something about the spirit. Is this a place of the spirit? Oh, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Is this a place yeah, of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, right. Right. The spirit here. Yes. Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> you affirmed I don't him. remember the whole yeah. <laughs> you, you affirmed him because I probably did. he yeah, really so. impacted you and yeah. you gave that illustration to us. I think I love, yeah, uh, I love the two sides of the coin. Um, I've just been flipping back, because Romans 7, in a lot of ways, juxtaposes and sort of builds up into Romans 8, exactly. right? Of that, like, we can't uphold the law. 
yet the law is holy and good. And so I just thinking about what in Eric's fact you missed the last couple sessions. Okay, we yeah. went through seven. Yeah. So yeah. When it, what Eric's saying that you know that judgment, I just right. I, we all are guilty of that, right? And, and when Paul says, "But I cannot carry it out," like I know what's in me, I know what the good I should be doing, but I cannot carry it out. And so that's the one side of like I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and yet that's when we turn our eyes to Christ and what He did forgives what we cannot do, and that's the other side of the coin. And so I've just been I love this quote um, from Dallas Willard of as far as just always turning our mind back to the other side of the coin, mm-hmm. which is the greatest saints are not those who need less grace, but those who consume the most grace, <laughs> who indeed are most in need of grace. Those who are saturated by grace in every dimension of their being, grace to them is like breath. Mm-hmm. This idea that like, I cannot do it. And so every day I need to consume more grace. Every day I need to turn back to the gospel. Every day I need to feel his love in my life in order to, that's the only way to fulfill the other side of the coin. Otherwise right. I, I will judge or I will fall short. Where we are weak, he is strong. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Our way I look at it is you climb the ladder of life through humility. You fall down the ladder (laughs) of life through pride. Uh Uh-huh. And and the the power of that is Christ came in humility. And the world teaches that pride and arrogance will get you where you need to go and because it's a dog-eat-dog world and you need to have the power and authority and push your way into life. But pride separates you from everybody. Christ came to reestablish relationship with us and he did it through humility. Mm-hmm. You know, a word was mentioned earlier, you mentioned it, that um, you can substitute for pride. I think it, it, it's pretty effective, and that's sovereignty. You think, well, I'm not that prideful, you know, but do you want and lust to control your own life? Do you want sovereignty over your own life? One story about unforgiveness, too. Um, My father, we were doing a DIY project back home, and um, He's told me stories about his childhood that carrot that haunts him for many years. So he's a functioning alcoholic, very high functioning, mm-hmm. now in his retirement. And he's tapered off pretty well. And so um, I said at one point, I said, Dad, you're going to have to forgive your, your stepmom or your mom. Mm-hmm. She had passed away very, when he was very young. And he told me this later because I wasn't paying attention because we were working on something. Is you're going to have to think about how you're going to forgive your mom. And I guess he started to well up, and but then he asked, I don't even know how to do that. I don't even, I mean, just think of those who don't have the spirit to help them or understand the Savior's grace of forgiveness. He's stuck in this place. So it gave me an opportunity to talk about God more, but uh, he's not saved or anything, so, but... Yeah, to think about those who, the ungodly that are stuck in these places of pride and won't forgive, can't forgive, don't even know the beginning steps of how to forgive. He's like, how do I even begin to even think about doing that? So, yeah, it's it's a blessing, but yet, you know, you see an opportunity to say that actually there is a way to to help you forgive. Yeah, so was able to share that, but 
not saying that it's easy because I have a hard time forgiving myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I was walking my dog the other night, and I'm usually talking to God during these times. And, you know, I, was, I brought it up with Robert after that night. I said, you know, think about the great commission, you know, that Jesus said, you know, love each other as I have loved you. And in that way, you will prove to me that you are my devoted, you are know, my disciples. disciples. Thank you. And I was like thinking, this guy's a football coach. You know, this guy's taking his team downfield and he's sending them into the enemy's end zone, you know, and he's sending these people out to carry that great commission to do just that. This guy, Jesus is like, he's legit. He's a full <laughs> alpha. You know what I mean? Like how many guys can get 12 guys? It's like herding cats, you know? To do the same thing, to agree to the same thing, to have the same mindset, and to go down and do that. And I was thinking, you know, and as I kept walking, and it's like, I got this little, this little Jesus hack. And it was like, you know, if, if you're not going to pray, then whoever you come across in the day, just drop the name of Jesus. Maybe that person's never heard the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? You don't have to preach to him. You can just bring up his name. And it makes you that much closer to him. And it may spark their curiosity. You may leave them in two seconds. You know? And they may go look him up and figure out who he is. They may come and ask you. And you can sit and take some of your time and, you know, explain who he is. But it, for me, I... I tried it and it, it just made me feel closer to him. Just constantly, whatever it takes to draw nearer to him and closer to him and vice versa, you know? And it was, it was simple, you know? You don't have to make a big deal out of it. So, anyway. And just saying like, I'll pray for you to some people. Just like that. Yeah. Or God bless you, you know? That's so huge when you, it's not, it's hard though. I know a lot of times I will, feel the spirit going, pray for that person. Sometimes I have to really <laughs> listen to that. Um, Tom did it in the really to some guy. <laughs> you can tell the story. No, you tell it. <laughs> was with your left fist or your right? No, it was actually with my right hand. Um, <laughs> Is this when you guys both saw each other in the store? Smart I, saw him in the, I saw him at smart near the gym, smart This just happened, I think. Right yeah, right. and... Um, this homeless guy attacked me. I, I from behind. The door. <laughs> he looks right at me, but doesn't recognize me. He's kind of, you know, looking around for the Holy Spirit or something. And so he then turns around, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, "Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior?" And then he says, "I got jumped out of my oh, socks." Go, this guy was oh my gosh, your homeless side. guy is asking me about Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like. And so yeah, that was my first reaction. This pretty fun. That's all awesome. guys attacking me. <laughs> hey, you know, and so what do people think you're homeless? You know what I mean? At least you brought up Jesus's name. So there you go. <laughs> Anybody else? Um, any other comments? Um... Yeah. This guy, the fisherman over here on the couch, he often talks about who we are. Yeah. 
Are you and, ready? Um, and uh, as you were saying, what's like our occupation and what I've done. It's also kind of going back again to the forgiveness thing. Can you forgive yourself? And the sovereignty thing. We are our baggage. And if you're old, like me, you've got a lot. You have a lot of regrets, a lot of angers, a lot of unforgiveness. No, no, no. And what the Lord teaches us to do, you are a new creation. So it's a new deal. Give it, just let it go. Let it go. And so that's like telling a grown man, all that is worthless. You tell that to a billionaire, he's like, do you, do you know who you're talking to? I'm, I'm a big shot. I mean, my life experiences are fabulous. You're asking me to, I'm going to be a new creation in the spirit? And I think that's true with any guy, because we are all so sovereignty-oriented. We, we want to control our lives. We want, we want that freedom to control our lives. And I remember when I was faced with the decision, except in war, it's like, I don't want to give up my sovereignty. I was thinking that at 17 years old. Mm. Well, that baggage is your addiction. It's your drug of choice. It's your alcohol. It's yourself. I think it's, that's, that's a, it's our what, It's your yourself. affliction that you can't let go of. But, but this, this notion of identity of like, you know, where we live or what we've done or how much money we have. Um, I mean, there is something in us that's wired to think about how we are significant. And I think, again, just kind of coming back to this notion of co-air, I, you know, he, he brought it up sitting over here, was it Peter? Yeah. Or, yeah. And I just, I, I keep thinking about this notion of, you know, part of having, you know, Did your you mindset of co-airs. Pete was talking about that last week. Yeah, I mean, part of um, having your mindset on the things of the Spirit is recognizing the significance and acting, you know, in that notion of being a co-air. In God's, that, that's so much more significant than a billion dollars or a hundred billion dollars. You know, it's the kingdom of God, right? Etern, that's eternal significance. You're a co-heir. You're a part of this whole thing that's going on. And, and we can draw identity from, from that, which is, it's, it's a big thing. Like it is a thing to get excited about. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I before, before, because you already get, I mean, let him have the last word for us. Yeah. I mean, I don't need all that, but <laughs> like Tom was going through sovereignty, and Scott, you're kind of like doing your bend, but it's like there, there is something about like being a guy. Like you want people to look at you in a certain way. Like you know, we can talk about you know wanting to live through Christ and being co-heirs and like what happens when you get to the pearly gates. Like all that is super great. But when you're, when you're on earth, there is an innate thing. Like you want to be the guy you want people like, Oh, that's the guy. And like, how do you, she and Danny and I were going off on this for a while, but three or five, three through five, kind of like in that realm, I'll just kind of, uh-huh. you know, yeah, dude, go for it. I'll do a little synopsis. Yeah. Affliction to endurance, endurance, uh, produces proven character, proven character produces hope. Like, how do you prove your character here? Like, what are you doing to prove your character? Like, is it, you know, just saying I'll pray for you or just saying God bless you? Or is it like getting down and deep and, you know, saving some homeless guy in the store? But you know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it's like at a one or a ten. 
but like, how are you proving your character? That's good. Rick, tonight, good job. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday nights, I take my wife to dinner. Yeah. Over <laughs> so we do the Taco Tuesday thing. Uh huh. You really splurge, huh? Yeah. Big, yeah. <laughs> must be eight bucks for dinner. Two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> So Marilyn and I have our dinner, and we're sitting down, and these eight people come in and sit at the table next to us. And they start talking, and they're going over and over and over, and they start naming names, and then talking on pollution, water pollution, and what's going on at Aliso Creek, and what's been going on on the beach and everything. And finally, one person says, who's this Dale guy? Well, I've been writing for the past three weeks <laughs> to people. <laughs> Proving his character. Yeah. You're sitting right next to the So room. I'm sitting there. Oh, yeah. Marilyn sort of kicks me under the table and goes, what's going on there? They've been reading my post that I've been <laughs> So they're going around and around and around and around. Where do you post? So, Were they on your side or water district? Um, I've been coaching some guys that are very interested in controlling the pollution that's going on, and has been going on for decades. And they want to, they want to try to solve the problems. But you have like four or five opinions about what should be done. And I've been writing, trying to coach some of these guys about saying, oh, some of you don't know, but I went through the Bluebird landslide in 78 where we lost 20 there were 26 homes lost 26 homes that were had to be evacuated because there were no uh, uh, there's no gas no electricity going to the house and then another 30 or 40 homes where they could live in their house but it was right next to the slide area so you have like we're talking water pollution right yeah. Okay. But in this this thing they're trying to get done, I had to deal with as being I was in charge of the, the homeowners association. So I had to get like two hundred people to agree. <clears throat> and for those of you that have been in leadership, trying to get two hundred people to agree on anything is really difficult. So I came up with a saying as you can get everybody to always agree if you only give them one option. Hmm. So the trick is is to find the one option. And tell everybody that's what you guys do. And that's sort of where we are in here. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's good to put it, you know, what is it's this Jesus? <laughs> what, what, is, what is the option? <laughs> right. You know, life or death. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Greg, you yeah. cut off Jason choice. and we want to hear what Jason was gonna yeah. say. Yeah. So it's it's all that. That's because I'm making sure everybody else. Talks. It's all this stuff that we're doing here, right? And I'm, and I'm trying to coach these guys on how do they take all this stuff that's going on in Aliso Creek and narrowing it down to one option. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where we are here. Yeah. You know, we if we all sat down and wrote things, we would come up with a whole bunch of different ideas. But we do all would agree that we only have one option, yeah. really. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Very good. All right, so I guess, Jason, you get the last word. Do you too. remember the word? <laughs> 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 I was just going to add to what 
Scott was saying, just in terms of being in that place. I've, I've been, <coughs> things have been going remarkably well. And in the last few weeks, just my whole mentality, mindset has been different. And uh, it's playing through accordingly with what's going on in my life. And in fact, just driving over here, there's just so much going on right now. And I'm kind of quarterbacking a, a ton of different things for a lot of different functionalities. And, and, and all through this, I'm speaking with the Father. And, and just, and, and something fantastic happens and I'm like, and that, that's very clear. The only thing that I really care about is being in your presence. This would be great if this is your will, but you know what? I, or this was great. Thanks for that. And, but all I really care about is this. And, um, that, that mindset that that's that peace. That's that freedom that I'm, I'm actually experiencing and that place where you're, you're that transcendent place of being in this world and wanting to be sovereign and not wanting to have an identity according to your, uh, you know, accomplishments, etc., etc., how you're perceived by the world. I'm just experiencing this separation from that completely where it's, uh, are you enjoying this, right? This is what the Father's saying, right? Are you, is this, are you enjoying this? And, and the reality is, it's okay if, if it works for you, you know, as long as long as I'm serving your purpose and that, that like, the co-air thing. Yeah. Suddenly, this life, in this time, doing this, and that kingdom reality is merging. And it's just incredible. That's really cool. Yeah, that's beautiful, Jason. So, um, so as we close, mm-hmm. I guess one of the things, just if any of you, as we were talking this today, um, just about this whole idea of sending your mind and the spirit and letting that, this word, this Christ become real in you. Try taking 5, 1 through 11 this week. For any of you who just sort of, if you're struggling with that, just take 5, 1 through 11 and write it out in the first person. And just see what it's like to keep saying this, this passage in the first person. For while I was still helpless at the right time, Christ died for me. <laughs> um, I mean, you just, whatever the passages are here, and just, just read it like that. Um, and then next week, we will start, we will start at verse 12, 512. And this is a pretty heavy part. Um, great. It goes back to Adam, like you were talking about. Um, so we're going to look at 512 through 521 next week. So read that too. We get ahead. All right. All right. Keep um, in prayer uh, because tomorrow morning is what's going to go through this operation. So, Father, we just thank you for this evening. I pray for Gil, Lord, that he will come out of this with his heart healed mm. <laughs> physically, Lord. Heal his heart. Uh, we pray continue for Rod here who just continues to be searching for you, faithfully following you that you will find a place for this man to live and to get him out of um, the shelter he's in right now and to find a home that he can call home. And I also think of Tom's dad, Lord, that 
you will, through your spirit, just keep calling Tom's dad to you, Lord. That he will say, call up his son one day and go, Tom, I know Jesus. So, Lord, just be with us this week. May your spirit that lives in us, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, may that spirit empower us to live a life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys.